0: changing the sales game on webtalkradio.com. I'm your host, Connie Whitman. As always, I know that you know that I love that you're joining us this week. Now, I hope as you listen to the show, you got to feel my passion about changing that word sales from that icky manipulation, um, just slime kind of vibe to you really have to start selling from a place of care, uh, love, care, and respect. And I know that word love and sales, people think it's weird, but truly, truly, if we come from our heart, magic starts happening. So to help you on your journey of changing your mindset, I have a free gift for you. In the show notes, you'll see a link for my communication style assessment. You'll get two reports. One will spotlight your natural communication superpowers. You wanna lean into that. That's how you are showing up for people naturally. Flip side, your lowest score, you'll get a report on that as well. That shines a light on the people that you probably find the most difficult to communicate with. And I'll, I'll give some insights in those reports as well. So two reports, one link. I hope it helps you manage your uh, change in mindset with sales. Now, my motivational quote today is by Mark Hunter. And Mark says, it's not about having the right opportunities. It's about handling the opportunities right. Now, there's so many essential steps in whatever sales process you're using, and it's really important to handle each step of that process as efficiently and as refined as possible. There's so many moving parts. It's also essential to create those good habits that are effective, and here's probably the more important word. Repeatable, so you can easily and quickly scale your sales results, income, all of those pieces of the puzzle. Well, today I'm really excited to chat with my guest, Sinjin Sin Kraner. Uh, Sinjin is an author, podcast host, and the founder of Agrarian. I probably said that wrong, Sinjin, based <laughs> in New Zealand. You're going to love his accent. He and his company specialize in training and teaching sales teams how to perform at a higher level using human centered psychology. He's going to share Share with us the top ways to increase your leads and sales by implementing your buyer's mindset and tapping into that psychology of selling. So, Sinjin, thank you so much for being on from literally across the world. I'm excited for
1: our conversation. Oh, it's great to be here, Connie. I'm glad we got we got here.
0: We're here, my friend. We're here. There was some weather issues last week yeah. uh, for poor New Zealand. You guys got hit pretty hard. So. Again, prayers and love coming out to you guys because the I know that road to recovery is, you know, not a short or quick one. So sending you a ton of love there. Appreciate it. Yeah. So w- let's let's jump in. Why do you think most people have just hang up with, with sales, like my intro, right? That word sales, it's it.
1: Yeah. Well I mean, it's funny, it kicks up that connotation of that yuckiness and that sort of fast hand rubbing And I think basically it comes down to people's sense of self or self-identity and Mm self-worth. So, you know, none of us sort of crack open to a barbecue and go, I'm a salesman or I'm a salesperson. And I think that's really because, and we'll unpack it more, is that so many sales experiences you or I face, Connie, are so poor. They're so bad. And we're burnt and bruised by that process. So we don't want to be associated or our identity doesn't want to be associated with sales because it's something that's maybe – below us and below our sense of self and our sense of self-worth. So sales has, yeah, a lot of those yucky connotations. And that's why so many people kind of are reluctant and resistant.
0: It's the psychology behind it. And we have, like I started, right? It's our mindset and that perception. And you said it of self, but we've all been in that sales pitch where you're thinking, this is horrible. Like yeah. I can't believe this guy is is barking at me or vomiting yeah. on me. What yeah. their solutions yeah. are, and he doesn't even or she doesn't even know who I, what I'm about, what my yeah. business is about. Hundred percent. Yeah, we've all been on the receiving right. end. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see salespeople make um, in your travels?
1: Yeah, the, the the first one that is very obvious to the buyer is uh, assumptive selling. Mm. So it, it leads right into what we just talked about opening up on the show. Is that basically if you are Being sold to that salesperson is assuming that they have the sale. And what happens is that threatens the buyer's sense of safety. So we're going to get straight into the psych here. When you don't feel safe, you're not going to be vulnerable. You're not going to open up. You're not going to provide your buyer motives. So you're not going to be able to follow a line of questioning that is deep and credible and actually enriching and useful for you as a professional salesperson, because you've made your prospect feel unsafe. So what happens is when you assume the sale, you basically are breaking the psychological safety with your buyer.
0: And I'll tell you 40 years in sales, Sinjin, when I first learned, learned sales, you know, when I was being trained, Mm. it was, you know, the assumptive close. And it's so funny you know, I look back on my husband. and I talk about this um, a lot because I started in insurance here in the United States. Mm -hmm. And I remember we had gone to a conference. I had won a conference. I had done well. And this one gentleman had won one million dollar, this and this and this, and he was Mm -hmm. winning all these awards. And Mm -hmm. I am an extremely respectful person. And I didn't stand to, you know, as they were applauding. And and so we get back to the room and my husband says, you didn't stand up like that was so not you. And I go, he is a dirtbag and he's a thief. He would mm-hmm. sell a policy to his mom to make a dollar. He'd sell a soul mm-hmm. to make a dollar. Mm-hmm. Fast mm-hmm. forward, fast forward, because when your security regulated here in this country, you're on an email list and you get lists of people who haven't have done unsavory things, let's say about yes. five years after that conference. He was in jail for unsavory mm-hmm. behavior. So now, isn't that funny how when I was being trained, I was like, oh, that doesn't feel right it didn't feel right to me, the person in my soul. So, and and I was offended that people were applauding for this, you know, unsavory dude. So it, it's part of, I think, how we're wired, but but we can change that mindset as well.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I was just thinking about that when thinking, pitching you at the conference there. It's like the, ultimately that sensory thing. I'm not getting into energy vibrations and vibes and everything else. But basically, when we were cavemen and cave women, we didn't talk. So the nonverbal, the body language was massive. So having massive sensory awareness of how you're coming across as a salesperson Mm. to your prospect and picking up on that body language is absolutely massive because- ultimately they're going to give themselves away even if they don't say it they're going to say it by the micro expressions and i'm not a body language expert but i know a little enough to harm myself let's say connie <laughs> and you can pick up on the vibes right and you know if you're dominating or you're overtaking and, and you were talking about the sort of the verbal vomit i call it the show up throw up routine Ugh. you know literally are and and technical sales people suffer this curse of complexity bias where what they do is they kind of Uh, are so keen to assert their technical prowess onto the prospect. They just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and they lose the sale and they lose the prospect because they don't read the room. And this is why we don't send engineers out to sell.
0: Exactly right. Isn't that funny? True. Uh, Because they think they have to give you every last detail dot every I cross every T that's not a conversation. That's that technical. We get caught into the, uh, the, the minutia right into the, and it's it's, very very hard to pull
1: out of that. hundred percent. Sorry. And the reason I was jumping in there is because what happens is I'm, I meet a lot of people that are very, um, again, I'm talking about the psychology of sense of self and, you know, with your guest, James clear, he talks about identity and I'm hearing a lot of that around sense of self and identity being a powerful motivational force. But what we're doing is um, a lot of people have a technical quotient, but they don't have that emotional quotient, you know, the emotional intelligence that your man, Dan Goldman, talks about. But what it is, is it's very important, like us here, we've got to have a conversation that is conversational, not technical. Because if we go technical, we're just going to lose everyone down the track. So that EQ, you can be bright as a button, but if you can't read the room and you can't read the basic signs and signals that that buyer's sending you, then you're not going to make a sell.
0: It goes back to that quote: people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right, that's really let me know that you're in it for me, meaning the prospect or the client, that you're not just in it for your paycheck or for your bank account, right? There has to be a skin in the game from their perspective of how we're going to serve. Why have you found that this whole concept of psychology fascinates me? I always said if I went back for my PhD, it would be in psychology, nothing to do with business, but I think psychology has everything to do with business because we're in business or we're, we're talking to other humans who it's, it's all about the psychology. So why have you found that that psychology is actually a sales superpower for us, but most people don't even know it.
1: Yeah. So like, I think if you're in sales, you should be fascinated by people and human behavior and the laws yes. of human nature. Now, equally understanding psychology can be used for good, it can be used for bad. And obviously we've had, you know, we've had a story of, of people where they use it badly. So on the good sense, and I'm, I'm, I'm one of the good guys, or so I hope I am is that what we're trying to do is we're trying to, and I think this is really important for your listeners. We have to serve before we sell. Mm-hmm. This is literally, if I could have this tattooed, not that I, am not, I'm into that, but like, if I could say you serve before you sell, that, that I could, I could leave this now and say that's the value. If there's one piece of advice that listeners take away, what I always say to the teams that I train, and obviously I train in the agricultural and agribusiness sector where farmers are hard ass, stoic, extremely sales resistant people who have huge agency autonomy about taking control of their things. They don't like to be controlled, which yes. a lot of salespeople try to do. Right. Um, we serve to sell when we serve the best interests of our prospects, rather than the best interests of ourselves, we will make more sales. It will take longer. And, Connie, I know you're big time into this because I've been listening to your podcast and some amazing guests you've got on, is it is all about human-centered selling, and it's around psychology. So if you really want to sell more, you have to understand the basic psychological principles behind human behavior. If you want to influence, persuade, negotiate, but most importantly, motivate your buyer and buy buyer, because they're already motivated. You just have to find out what motivates them.
0: And you said it. It's the long game. And, and the thing, this is why I think sales gets a bad rap because if I meet with a client or prospect and they clearly can use me, but they have a bunch of other stuff they're working on, I'll say to them, yes, I can help you. Yes, you need me. I'm glad you found me you're not ready for me yet because you have X, Y, and Z that you're focused on time and money. So now mm-hmm. if we start working together, you're not going to move the needle because there's only so much time in a day. And when you're learning, there's almost, there's only so much brain bandwidth that you can, ex- you know, energetically extend. So I said, but let's, we can do these little pieces of the puzzle, right? So I'm still in their orbit. And then we'll start in three weeks, five weeks, six months, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you hundred percent of them, Come back because you're, They're in my pipeline. I'm still engaged with them. How's it going? How far did you, I saw your post. That was such a good post. So because I'm interested, it helps me get to know them even better, see what they're doing. And then it helps me create their sales process, right? Even more effectively because now we're intimate and I don't mean that in a weird way, but I'm really Mm. intimate with what they're doing. 100% sales um, occur. That's the long game where people try to push now and the person gets offended where they're like, I ain't everybody from you because you're disgusting you feel icky i need to go take a shower now where with me they're like i'm ready to give you my money and i'm going but you're not ready for me yet and that's my reputation we can do this going down the road so do you see if we're in it for the long game our pipeline is always full
1: now that's really important point you made because a lot of people might go oh well that's easy for connie because her pipeline's full what connie's done is she put herself in a position of power where she's got plenty of prospects so I can't remember that Mark Twain quote, and I'll have to remember it. I'm, I'm not doing it very well, but it was more around you should never be at the mercy of one person That's who right. is deciding if they're your option and they make your priority. So what we're saying in there in a fumbled way is um, no one gets married on the first date. Right? right. And 80% of sales get made in the eight to 12 interaction. That's so right. if you're selling on the first date uh, and I don't talk from personal experience here, but you don't get married on the first date, it wouldn't really create a great marriage. You need to nurture and all the things that you talk, all the good things you talk about Connie in terms of nurturing and giving before getting and thinking and being uh conscientious and showing through your actions and your behaviors. I mean, in rural, in farming, where I train here in Australia, New Zealand, they watch you and your whole character. They they want to eyeball you. We call it the sniff test. It's a, it's a colloquial term, but they will eyeball you, and they will look at you and look at your character. I have to go to Australia in a couple of weeks um to talk at a conference, and I've got a, a another really big um client that I need to go and see. He needs to see me. I need to go and see him on his farm. It's going to take me a while to get there because he's in the middle of nowhere. It's about eight hours' drive. Obviously, Aussie is pretty, pretty big as well, like the States, surprisingly big. And, uh, he wants to take me all in. And so that, that kind of character, you give yourself away by the things that you do. So I think it was Sir Andrew, um, uh, Kanaji quote. He says, I do not watch what men say. I watch what they do. And I know it's a sexist term, but you get the gist is that if you really want to understand people's priorities and where they're coming from, just watch what they do, watch their behavior. And this is why psychology is so important, because we are signaling to each other all the time what our drivers and motivators are, even though we might not be expressing them. 55%
0: 55% of our communication is through body language and 38 is tone of voice. So 93% of how we're exchanging, right? That communication is in words. And we think we have to say the perfect thing and have the perfect pitch. And to me, that's, that's a load of crap because until you get in front of that person and you feel their pace, right their their, um, uh, energy level, all those things, mm-hmm. you you don't really know how you're going to deliver it until mm. you're present in that moment, mm. and that's the other thing. I think we come in with our preconceived notion instead of sitting back. And you should be prepared with questions, and you should be prepared. You know, have done They're the research sense. for the company. All of that. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying sense. go in and wing it. But once <laughs> you're prepared, and you go in, and you have you're locked and loaded and ready, and then you sit back and you ask your questions, and you take your notes, and you be present with that client, and then you ask those follow up questions. The follow up. Questions is the act of listening. Engine. It's not all of the eight questions I had prepared in advance. The real meat is the follow up questions that I'm asking based on what my client or prospect has just said. And we forget. We think we go in and go. Okay, they answered my question. Next question. Next question. We're not really listening, so we can't dig deeper. You said it at the onset. We're not digging deep enough. Um, I use the word intimately, again, not in a weird way, but to really understand what their pain points are, what their situation is, what their struggle is, and if I'm a good match to help them, or should I introduce them to someone else in my network that really can help them with whatever the situation is? Absolutely.
1: Go ahead. And I'm just going to jump in there because there's something that you said was very, very important here It's uh, triggered a point for me. When I trained my teams, I said, your prospects don't want an interrogation. They want a conversation. That's right. Now, interestingly, the best way you give yourself away is by the quality of your questions. And you're absolutely right. It's really exactly what Connie's saying. You must plan and prepare because when you plan and prepare, you profit and you perform, right? So we all we teach pre-call plans and all those things, but you don't go there with a checklist uh-huh. and a little white lab coat going through. I've got to ask them my questions else. We want we want a conversation. We don't we don't want the interrogation. And ultimately, the person that asks the questions actually controls the sale but the way in which you ask the question. So let me give you more for your listeners, because I think this is a really important point. Yes, I love this. Chat show hosts, weird. Chat Oprah, uh, Larry King, whoever you're into, forgetting the politics, what do they do really, really well with their guests, Connie? So I'm going to pile it back. What, What do these chat show hosts do with their guests? And they do it really, really well that allows the guests to open up.
0: Well, I think after they ask their question, they'll, you, a couple of things. Um, they usually, I think, usually tend to lean in a little bit, showing yeah. their body language that they're engaged and it's time for the person to respond. They make eye contact, they nod their head. So again, they're open to what the response is. Typically, they'll have follow-up questions based yeah. specifically on what that guest has just
1: shared. Yeah, absolutely. So, sorry, I'm, so i jump. sorry, want what it is, is when you watch your chat show hosts and also the best journalists, they put their guests at ease. Mm. They put their guests at ease. So what happens is then Oprah or Larry King or some of the people down here, they go, how the hell did you get that story? How did you break that one? How did you get that scoop? Now, this is the equivalent in sales. What we're doing is we're unearthing or surfacing insights by asking really, really good questions. So, you know, literally I'm showing my age a wee bit. I'm I'm a POM, I'm English. My parents are from U.K., there was a very famous uh, BBC interviewer called Michael Parkinson. He literally just sat people down on the couch and asked them, how are they? And like, he would just sit them down and they were so relaxed and they would open up like there weren't any cameras around and you just feel like you're watching them. And they told him things that they would tell no one else. And this is why these guys get the scoop. This is why good salespeople can converse and have this emotional quotient where they make their prospects feel safe by asking really, really good questions. And they ask the questions in the right way. Because what we have to remember is when we meet a prospect for the first time, maybe it's not referred or it's not warm and it's outbound and it's cold and it's canvassing, what is the psychological state that buyer they are adrenalized because they've been burnt and bruised by really shitty sales experiences and sales you know yep. when we go into the stores the best Buys or no limbs down here i'm talking about brands you guys don't understand but they you go into a store and they go can i help you the first thing you do you block it and you go no just looking thanks <laughs> now we're doing that psychologically to protect ourselves from loss which is what Daniel Carmen calls, and his monster, brilliant, Nobel Peace Prize-winning book, Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow, is the law of loss aversion. We are protecting ourselves from loss. So when someone asks, when we go into a sales situation, we think someone's trying to sell to us, we protect ourselves. That protection mechanism comes on. So in an adrenalized state, you're not going to make any decisions. You are in a protection mode. It's actually because we want the psych here for the guys and girls is actually self preservation. So what they're doing is they are preserving themselves and protecting themselves from perceived loss. Because when we meet really shitty, lousy poorly trained salespeople who are not professionals and just reps, they are selling to us because they're serving their needs, not ours. So we shut down, we protect, we push back and, and the shutters go down. And this is why it's really important that we signal safety through the quality of our questions. So, sorry, massive rant there, lots in there, but like I see it, this mistake being made all the time by poorly trained um, sales professionals.
0: Yeah, I do a workshop. um, It's a 90 minute free workshop. And the topic is eliminate the five layers of buyer's resistance. Exactly what you're talking Mm. about. Mm. Until we earn their respect and trust, it's they're, they're looking at us like, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Where's the pitch, right? They're yeah. testing us until we break down those barricades. And then they're yeah. like, oh, you're different than anyone else. And I just want to go back when you were saying about the interview, people, the people who are being interviewed by these experts so that are sitting on couches. And, you know, so how the heck did you get that? And making people comfortable. That is such an art. And and what happens, and and I'm sure this happens to you because you're just lovely to, I don't know if you're allowed to say guys are lovely to talk to, but you're lovely to talk to. You have just this very open energy about you. People tell you things that later on I've had clients say to me, I can't believe I told you that. And I say, you know what, but it helps me understanding. So thank you for Mm. sharing and being vulnerable Mm. with me. It Mm. it allows me to do a better job for you. So thank you for feeling safe with me. I say that to my clients and prospects because they're sharing. I can't believe I just told you that that's trust. And you could, you could do this fairly quickly, by being present and being interested, right? Not being 100%. making this whole engagement 100%. about you, about me, right? It's about my guest or my client guest, whatever it might
1: be. You have to, you just have to, it's really easy to differentiate yourself as a sales professional. You just have to be everything that others aren't. <laughs> <laughs> like we don't, we don't need to bore the ocean on this, Connie. It's pretty simple. Like if they're shitty and they're self-serving, you need to be complete reverse. That's whether true. you're talking about marketing or sales, we zag when they zig and all those kind of things, but basically we do the complete opposite. So what happens is here's the thing. I, I, I'll just drop this one right now. The problem with sales is selling. The problem with sales is selling. So the more you try to sell, the less you will sell. That's right. Now, if you stop selling and you started serving the needs of your prospects by being deeply curious and planned and prepared and signaling safety and saying things like, Hey, Connie, really good catch up. You, I've got a few questions to ask you because I just really want to qualify whether we can help you or not. Does that sound okay? Yep. So I'm immediately signaling to you that I'm not here to sell you. I'm here to actually qualify with some questions, permission-based questions, to find out whether we can help you or not because actually we've got no idea until we do that whether we can actually win a position to help you with your specific problem. Does Does that sound okay?
0: And it's funny because there's that old adage, the more you give, the more you get. And and I Let's think see. you've lived your life this way, Syngin. For me, mm. I always give before I ever ask for anything. And what Absolutely. ends up happening, you live off of referrals. Your your business grows because all of a sudden you have this explosion of you need to meet this person. Can you speak here? Can you do that? You're invited places because you've earned that position. But yeah. yet you have to serve. And the getting is exponential. It 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 works like the equation works. I don't know why everybody's not doing it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the other thing there as well is like, as sales, sales is, you, you know, as a professional as well, sales is not going to come any easy. We've got algorithms, we've got Amazon, we've got buying groups, buying clubs, price me, price spy, like commoditization is rife. Yeah. And, um, often the salesperson is actually the product. The salesperson is off on the product. Now, this will alarm sales managers. They're like, oh, my God, I've got salespeople, and they're the only differentiator. And if they lose me, they'll hold me to ransom, and they'll take all my customers with them. That's not what I'm saying, and we've got mitigation strategies in place for that. But often, that sometimes the only point of difference, if you're selling more of a perceived commodity product, is the actual person selling it. I certainly know in rural and agribusiness and farming, they buy you 100%. Like, what are you about? What do you believe in? They are watching you like a hawk, literally, because farmers don't say much, men or women. They are men and women of very few words. And they are watching you, soaking you in inside out. And they're going, I'm watching you, Charlie, and I'm gonna see how you go. And you've got to keep turning up and you've got to keep being consistent and 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 you know, persistent, not insistent. There's a big difference there. And you you know, they they are in control. They farm the land because they are. They want to be their own boss. They want their own men and women. They are in charge of their life. They score incredibly highly on the attributes of agency or autonomy. They don't like to be told what to do because if they did, they'd go and work in an office. They work for themselves. They own their land. They take huge risks. They are very, very sales resistant. So when we control a sale, that's where we lose the sale. But the reality is we actually can control a sale when we ask the questions in the right way that serve their needs, not ours.
0: Absolutely. You, you said so much in there. My head is like, ah, there's so many things I want to add, but I, I want to hear more from you as well. The one thing I will say is the um, consistent, persistent, my follow up is the, the last step in my, uh, my process that I, that I teach, right? Everybody has their process. Um, but it's CPR because I, I tease, you know, you got to keep the client alive or the prospect alive. Yeah. But it's consistent, persistent, and here's the big word for me: respectful follow-up. Not badgering. It's respectful follow-up, so they know you care. See, again, it comes from that place of serving and caring. Not, it's been two weeks. Did you make a decision yet? We're not banging them. We're really trying. We're playing the long game, and it just goes back to the same. They are.
1: This is what you talk about when you get. They are buying you. Yes. Now you have to be a good human being. You have to be generous. You have to be abundant. You have to have, you know, the, the one, the one trait to look for in salespeople most is conscientiousness. Yes. Like they care greatly and they do things that don't serve themselves, that serve others. They think of others. And we talk about empathy, we talk about EQ. It's more important than ever to be super, super tuned in and have that attunement that Daniel Pink talks about in his book, To Sell as Human. Really truly attuning to all the senses that you're picking up from your prospect. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're planned and prepared, you don't then have to spend vast cognitive processing power going, Oh, I've got to say this and I've got to say that because you've got it all down pat, right? And it's a muscle memory and you know this because you know, you're very good at what you do and. What you can do is you are then fully present because you're not preoccupied going. Oh, I'm winging it, and I want to ask this question, that question. And what do I say now? And, and, and there's an objection going to come up on price, or higher authority, or I've got another supplier, or um, timing's not right. Like we know that stuff down pat. So when you're planned and prepared, you are present. And the other thing as well is when you're planned and prepared, and you're training like a true professional. Because guess what? the most trusted train, right? You know, pilots, surgeons, doctors, uh, ambulance, search and rescue. They are highly trusted in your Gallup, you know, most trusted professions because they train all the time. We just right. don't train enough as salespeople. Funny enough, sometimes though we're over-trained and we're under practice, right? But that's a story for another day.
0: Yeah. As that's the truth. Or, Or I hear when I go in my clients, they go, they need product knowledge. Do
1: they? Oh. Do they really need 15 no more. Here's, Connie, I've got to just overrun. I love this because I go to conferences. I get the privilege. People will fly me in. I'll talk to their teams and they go, oh, you've got two hours to like turn the world around. I said, no, we're going to need more than two hours. I said, <laughs> cut out basically half a day of product training and let's talk about sales training. And actually, let's talk about psychology. And first and foremost is actually understanding psychology of self, like being self-aware of how you come across how you're received, how you're perceived. And if you can master that, that really propels you and differentiates you as a salesperson, builds up on all the good things we're talking about here. You have to have a sense of self and understand how you come across and what you're doing and what you're giving, and then park the bloody product training, everyone's product training out. At the end of the day, often people are buying you or buying the person behind the product because commoditization is rife. So yeah, the psychology is so, so important to understand, but it all starts with yourself.
0: Yeah, I've laughed. At 15% of our success is technical cuz you can look stuff up. The product yeah. knowledge. If you ask me a question, I'm like, "Oh, that's a really good question yeah. about my product. Let me let me just I want to refresh myself because I don't want to give you the wrong information." People go, oh, "Okay, cool." The the yeah. technical knowledge is so it's 15% of our success. We yeah. think it's 50% of our success. It's the craziest thing. And the other thing I challenge people cuz you you know, you said how people perceive you, right? And um, my words, not yours, but how people perceive you and and do you come from this place of service? It's kind of part of your bones. And, I, and I'll just share a really quick story. And I challenge people to ask people this, this specific mm-hmm. question. I had one of my clients, um, my niece's nephew's friends, right? Their kids needed internships here in the summer. And so one of my clients were good friends and I said, look, because she knew I would only bring good kids to the table because I'd kick their butt if they didn't show up and do a good job, right? okay. my my yeah. reputation. But anyway, my niece happened to get one of the, the positions in training and development. So I asked him, I was training there and I said, can my niece come in and, and it's my training? I want to, I want to challenge her comfort zone. She was with VPs and she's a college student. So I thought good opportunity for her, right? So mm-hmm. net, net. They let her come through. At the end, she comes up to me. She did very well. I ch- and I told her at the beginning, I'm not going to go easy on you. I want you to challenge yourself. This is going to be an important class for you. She did. She did great. And everybody loved her in the class, right? And at the end, she comes up to me. She goes, Aunt Con," She said, oh, my God, it's you. But like, you know what you're doing up here? <laughs> I laughed. And she told all the nieces and nephews, Aunt Con is Aunt Con, even at work, because but here's the thing, Sinjin, I think... Uh- we, we need to be who we are. So when my clients, we laugh, they become my family. We go out, I go out to dinner with their husbands mm-hmm. or their wives, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just about the sale and the business. It's about the whole relationship for me. And I, I live from that perspective. So whether I'm at home or I'm at work, I am me. I don't know how to be any other way. Yeah. And that genuineness comes through. So that's why a lot of people choose to work with me, even yeah. if I'm a little more expensive or whatever, because they know what they're getting. There's no pretense. There's no, what am I really getting after I sign this contract, right?
1: They're buying you. And that's the thing. Sometimes the person is the product. And then obviously persona is Latin for mask. And a mask in its most simplest form is there to protect yourself. So people wear different personas. But with Mm. Yukon, you wear the same mask. It's the same, Connie, day in, day out, whether you're personal or professional, you are 100%. And people buy that vibe, right? So, you know, it's very, very important that you – understand yourself and your own psychology for you to be believable and relatable. And, and importantly, understanding how you're being perceived and most importantly received because you are sending signals all the time by what you're doing. So, you know, there's a lot to unpack around truly understanding yourself, like all success, all sales success starts with yourself and understanding who you are, what you're about, what your values are, What your purpose is, you know, if you really want to succeed in sales, you need to know you are in you are in the business of service. Now, here's the irony is a lot of people, a lot of service people are put in sales situations, aren't they? And I'm sure you've had that with your training and you yes. go, hold on, uh, wooden peg in a round hole, they're a service person, they're an order taker, they're a farmer, not a hunter. But the reality is the way we we hack that and just go, it's it's the same principle you need to serve before you sell. So you've got to give and give and give and give and give, and give until you get, because if you've got nothing to give, then you really have got nothing to give. You're out, you're out.
0: And I think it's important for people, if you know that you're in competition with other vendors, whatever you're selling, and you get the business. Through my career, I would ask whoever chose me. I said, I'm really curious. I know there was some stiff competition out there. Why'd you choose me? I'm always so curious because it makes me better and it lets me really see what's important to you. And mm-hmm. and it's so funny because these corporate organizations, they'll come through and they'll have a list of why they chose me. And and you know what the funny thing is, Jin? Sometimes I say, oh, I didn't even realize I was doing that. So by asking that feedback, you're constantly self-assessing and refining how you want to be seen, how you want to show up, how you want to be perceived. We have full control over that because it's you, right? You have control over yourself. So that's another thing. Ask for that feedback. You'll be surprised at what you hear. It's it's remarkable.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really important point for your listeners that if you want to get better, you feedback is a gift and you've got right. to ask for it. And that's so important question. Uh, so important. The point you made there is often we don't do enough in saying, do you mind me asking? Cause I use these sentence starters in a very polite permission based way as well. Do you mind me asking I'm kind of curious? You know, like you said, we had some really stiff competition. We're really grateful for landing the business. What was it about us that you particularly liked that got us over the line compared to other vendors? They will tell you that is gold because they're giving you those insights. And then, you know, the other thing that I'm picking up on here, because I want to go deeper and give the most I can to your listeners is not only are you seen, but you need to see your prospects. So now the fundamental, fundamental, if you really want someone to open up and be vulnerable to you like a prospect, because you know, you know, when you've seen you know, I I do a lot of truck time and sales observations with my rural reps. You can see the body language. It's all closed off. It's all protection. They're protecting themselves against loss yeah. is the farmer isn't opening up because they're not seen, heard, or understood. So what's happening is they're not seen, heard, or understood. So they're not seen for the specific problem they are and the individual that they are. They're not heard because they're constantly being interrupted and it's a inquisition or a, a interrogation not a conversation. And then they're not understood because they're not signaling safety by summarizing. And this is where we go deeper in the training like you is like, so Connie, can I just, I just want to check up understood what you've told me so far. So what you've said here is basically, we've got a yield result here. We want to get here. You've tried this. This hasn't worked. Have I, have I got that right so far saying a summary Makes them feel understood. So they need to be seen, they need to be heard, and they need to be understood. Now, if you do that, you differentiate yourself from 90% of salespeople.
0: Stephen Covey's fifth law, right? Yeah. uh,
1: Successful people
0: seek to understand before you're understood. You have to live by that because, and that's so simple.
1: It's It's so simple. simple. (laughs) We make sales so complicated. Basically, just focus on the fundamental basics first of. Basically, making sure your prospect feels safe, being planned and prepared, understanding that you are judged by the quality of your questions. Now, interestingly, we're always looking for buyer motives. Now, when we're selling, we're on sale as well, right? So that prospect is looking at you, going, "What questions are they asking?" Now, I've always been, since a little boy, very curious, very curious about the world, very curious about human behaviour and why people do what they do and behavioural economics and social sciences, all the books behind me, and I love it, absolutely love learning, and it it fascinates me. But what I want to do is I want to understand why people do what they do. So when someone asks me a question, my automatic reaction is, I wonder why they're asking that question. What's behind there? What's the underlying driver there? It's the same with objections, right? You know, someone's objecting around price, The reason they're objecting around price is there's an absence of value. We fail to determine the commercial context or worth of the product or service that we're pitching in. So before we ever talk about price, we'll talk about what it is worth. So, yeah, look, absolutely, Connie, I can give you a price to make sure I give you the right price. I just need to check out a couple of things first to make sure what I'm offering you is the right thing. And let's put it in its context. So I use that all the time. You know, it's just being curious. And, you know, the other thing is being, and I'm trying, I'm probably maybe giving too much here, but I'd I'd love to because I'm very passionate about it is you must be more curious than you are critical. Yes. Because basically curiosity opens doors and criticism closes them. So you go, like, oh, bloody guy! Like, they're not buying off the procurement team. They're beating us up on price all the time. Now, when you do that, you close your mind to any sort of learning. Now, when, you, when you're curious about, oh, I wonder why they were doing that. I wonder what happened there. When we had that sales conversation, why did they ask that question? Why was that objection? You know, it's, it's okay to ask, actually, when someone's asking. Do you, do you mind me asking what's behind that? You know, what made you ask that question? And I've asked it in a very soft way, a very safe way that doesn't threaten the buyer, but I'd like to, I'd love to understand a bit more about what, what was behind that. And you can do that because you've already established the trust in the relationship because they're feeling safe with you. You're just not going to get a really deep, rich, vulnerable, open conversation with a prospect when they don't feel safe. They've got to have psychological safety. This is why psychology is so, so important in sales.
0: Yeah. And I love that word curiosity. Unfortunately, we come in curious and we ask the question and then we start judging and assuming based yeah. on the answer. So I, uh, part of my process as well as that reflection, this is what I heard. This is what the expectation is from you, right? This is what you're truly seeking. Did I miss anything or did I misunderstand anything? Right. Cause I'm, I'm receiving it in my filters, not in your yeah. filters. So let's yeah. make sure we're on the same page. If you do that one little step with, and, and exactly how you phrase it syndrome is beautiful you will eliminate objections because you're handling them along the way that the person will see the value because you understand the value that they're looking for. Seek to understand before being understood. Be curious before you start judging and assuming. Assuming is a bad thing. It's our filter, not the client's. We are out of time. Oh my goodness, this is I want so much more. (laughs) This is such a great conversation. Listen, everyone, Sinjin has some amazing gifts for you as well. This will all be in the show notes, but go to the website, which is rural sales dot com right there. He has some free. Why don't you tell them what the free gifts are? Because you there's sure. like a plethora um, of things
1: on there. Yeah, no, uh, it's a, a whole goodie bag. And look, Connie, yeah. thank you so much for having me on. Um, would have loved to talk for more and unpack the site. But um, if people are interested in what they're saying and don't, you know, sort of lay me. I, yes, I work in rural and agriculture and agribusiness, agritech. I've got a book together. It's basically how to succeed in sales um, and using sales psychology as your sales superpower. It's an ebook. It's got um lots of questions. A lot of it goes a bit deeper into what we've gone here. It's free. I usually sell it on Amazon. I'd love to give it to your listeners. They can just download it. Uh if you're interested, there's a podcast link there. And I'd obviously love to have Connie on my show to talk more. But yeah, ton of resources for you. Email. If you like what you're hearing, go in there and grab what you want.
0: And I'll tell you the podcasts. I I I don't know if you've seen this, but the younger generation they listen to podcasts. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm amazed at when I speak or when I teach my corporate clients, and there's the younger generation. They'll come to me. Oh my God, I love that episode, James Clear. I love that episode, Singian. I love, and I go, you listen to my show? It's so funny, yeah. and I'm so honored. And they go, oh. I learned so much. I feel like I'm getting better at sales because of your guests and your conversation. So again, your podcast, please listen to engine 's podcast, especially if you're in sales, new to sales, in sales for a while, we gain bad habits. So again, these conversations, listening to the guests that engine have on, I think is really important. It's a free resource. You're driving to work, you're vacuuming your house, you're doing the dishes, you're mowing the lawn. Listen to the podcast. They're 30 minutes, 40 minutes long. It's free content that you can can start to, um, the brain, you know, you have the brain working to create Mm. these really, really good habits. So thank you so much for, for sharing uh, about your podcast as well. I think that's an important resource, um, in addition to the ebook and everything. So thank you so much for being on and for sharing. I mean, the last thing
1: I'd last thing I'd say to your listeners is, is, is you must be a a continual lifelong learner in sales and, you know, Warren Buffett, you know, he's, he's, he's wealthy for a good reason the more you learn, the more you earn, right? So continue to learn the most trusted train and yet, you know, use the resources that Connie's putting out here and all are wonderful guests. Um, yeah. And if people want to connect on LinkedIn, you'll put it in the show notes, but I absolutely oh, yes. pleasure. I love, I love talking uh to wonderful people like you.
0: That same, same back at you. Thank you so much. And I hope you will join me weekly as we question, build and discover together, no matter where you are on your sales journey, There's resources out here to help you. And I just want to comment before I end the show. Sinjin just said, learning is earning. And that is true. Here's the deal. You've just heard some great strategies, exact questions, how to phrase things. Sinjin gave a lot during this. So I highly recommend going back with a paper and pencil, get his book and download it. Here's the deal. Information is a beautiful thing. If you do nothing with it, it's simply information. Once you take that information and you apply it one piece at a time, just try one little change that's in Jin or during our conversation today watch the magic that happens on the back end. It's remarkable. You have the power to do that. Again, Sinjin, thank you for being on. Thank you all for tuning in to Changing the Sales Game with me, your host, Connie Whitman on webtalkradio.com. I am truly honored that you're on this journey of sales and change with me and my guests. And I hope that you are inspired weekly with our conversation and content. I will see you all next week. I love you and thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow.